Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Jew Podcast, where we dive deep into Torah and Judaism to uncover its hidden beauty. Come join us as we take a closer look and breathe new life into traditional Jewish ideas. And now, here's your host, Rabbi Moshe Siegel. Hello and welcome to episode 67. This podcast is dedicated in honor of the Dallas Kosher, the local cautious organization here in Dallas. And we thank them tremendously for all they do for our community. They're currently running Kosher Month, which is basically a month of free informative kosher-related programming to help gain the practical tools and spiritual insights to elevate your kosher practice. If you want to learn more or become a member of this great organization, go to dallaskosher.org. Based on this, I figured it would be a great time to take a deeper look at the philosophy of kosher. And even though we know every mitzvah is special and unique, there are some mitzvahs that seem to have taken on just a greater significance, almost like they've become somewhat symbolic of Torah and Judaism. One of the examples of this, I believe, is kosher. The concept of kosher is probably one of the most famous Jewish laws, but many associate it as some type of cultural Jewish diet, and they don't really understand the amazing depth behind it. So I want to share with you today really one of the deepest ideas I think I've ever shared on this podcast. It's an unbelievable revelation from the great Kabbalists about eating kosher. So let's begin. The most common words used to describe permissible or forbidden food is normally kosher or treif. Something you're allowed to eat will say is kosher. Something you're not allowed to eat will say is treif. But if you look in the Torah, you'll notice that these are not the terms used. A kosher animal is called a behema tehora, a pure animal. And the non-kosher animal is called a behema temea, or an impure animal. And in the language of the sages as well, when they refer to permissible or forbidden food, they also don't use these terms kosher or treif. Rather, they use the words Mutter or Usser. Forbidden foods are called Machalos Asuros, forbidden foods. So I'm not sure historically exactly when kosher and treif became part of the vernacular, but either way, in addition to the general question of understanding the depth behind kosher, we can also ask what can we learn from the language of the Torah and the rabbis, why they use those specific phrases. I think it'll be helpful to take a step back and look at the role of Torah and mitzvahs in general. And once we understand that, we can understand why kosher became somewhat of a poster child for Judaism. As well as we can also understand how the words used by the Torah are actually the perfect words to express the inner deeper idea of what kosher is really all about. So what is the role of Torah and mitzvahs in the most basic sense? Torah wisdom and laws are there to harmonize the physical and spiritual worlds. We're all composed of a physical body and a spiritual soul, each one naturally pulling in its own direction. And the Torah is a guide to assist us in bringing these two very different parts together. Mitzvahs are not meant to transcend the physical, ignore the physical, and only develop the soul. Rather, mitzvahs allow the synthesis of body and soul to work together. Let's return now to our discussion of food. Why are there so many mitzvahs in the Torah regarding food? We have parshas full of laws of sacrifices, priestly gifts, giving tithes from your fields to the priests, to the Levites, to the poor, bikurim, the first fruit, 
then there are blessings we make over food. There's obligations to have meals on holidays and on the Shabbos. What's with all the attention about food? I think the answer is, is that eating is one of the most basic physical needs that we have. The very first physical desire a baby has after it's born is to eat. And this drive continues to push every day until its death. The body's desire for food, specifically good tasting food, is probably the most constant physical focus that we experience throughout our lives. And when we can take our most basic physical need and connect that and harmonize that with our soul, we're embodying what Torah and Judaism is really all about in one of the greatest ways possible. This is the simple explanation of why kosher, I think, has become somewhat symbolic, somewhat of a banner for Judaism, because it's a constant throughout life, and it carries this message of harmonizing the body and soul. The Kabbalists, however, reveal from a verse in Deuteronomy a whole deeper side to kosher. In this verse, Moses is explaining to the people why God gave them the manna in the desert. And he says, It was to teach you that it's not on the bread alone that man lives, rather on the word of God that man lives. So what does this mean? We live on the word of God. Simply, it's emphasizing God as our primary provider and sustainer. And we shouldn't be overconfident based on our own means and everything we've accumulated ourselves in life. But listen to this amazing idea that the Kabbalists teach. We know from the beginning of Genesis that the action God used to create the world was speech. As the verses say in the beginning of Genesis, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the earth sprout forth vegetation, and that's what happened. Let there be a sun, moon, stars. The same phrase continues throughout creation. God said for something to be created, and then it comes into existence. So the great Kabbalist, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lozado, explains that this word of God, this speech that God said that brought forth each and every item during creation didn't leave afterwards, it didn't dissipate. Rather, it remains inside of it, sustaining its existence, functioning somewhat like a soul of that item. So when God said, let there be apples, those holy words remain within the physical apple And when we consume that apple, we're consuming the word of God as well. Now let's take this one step deeper. What does this mean? The same way the physical nutrients of an item sustain the physical body of the one consuming it, providing proteins, carbohydrates, fats, etc., so too the spiritual word of God inside it sustains the soul of the one eating it, providing the soul with spiritual vitamins and nutrients. And the same way some foods are healthy and good for you, while others are unhealthy and damaging, so too with the Word of God inside, with the spiritual part of the food, there are some that are good for your soul, while others are damaging to it. What does that mean? In what way is the Word of God inside of a food good or bad for your soul? Let's go back to the names used by the Torah and the sages for permissible kosher products and forbidden non-kosher products. And we'll see that the names actually provide us with the answer to this question. Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi was the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. And in his great Kabbalistic book titled Tanya, he explains this beautifully. He writes that the word we use for forbidden is usr. And usr actually means tied down or bound. 
And the word we use for permissible is mutter, which actually means untied or released. These words can be found every morning in the morning blessings when we say, Baruch Hashem, blessed are you, Hashem, Master of the Universe, Matir Asurim, who releases those that are bound. Matir is to release, to untie. Asurim, from the word Asur, refers to those that are tied down. And he explains it as follows. Imagine spirituality as floating in the heavens and physicality as being heavier and weighed down on earth. Every item, like we mentioned, has a physical side that's weighing it down on earth and an internal spiritual side that's trying to float up to heaven. Something that is asr, meaning a food that is prohibited, that means that it's tied down to this world. We don't have the ability to elevate that spirituality inside of it and allow it to ascend up. But something that is mutter, meaning it's permissible, the word mutter means we can untie it from its physicality. We can release the spiritual nutrients inside of it. Or in other words, we can synthesize that spiritual side with our physical bodies. So continuing this line of thought, what happens when we eat these foods? When we eat foods that are mutter, foods that are untied, we satiate our souls with the necessary spiritual vitamins and nutrients, elevating our physical side as well, allowing it to float up. But when we consume foods that are usser, that are tied down, where the spiritual nutrients are stuck attached to our physical world, then we tie our own spiritual side to this world as well. And this also explains the Torah's words of tahor and tameh. A kosher animal is called tahor because the root of the word tahor is connected to the word sohar, which means a window. A window allows what's inside of something to be expressed outwards. But the word tameh is connected to the word tamam, which means to be covered up or to be blocked. Something that's covered up or blocked is sealed within its container. It doesn't allow that inner spark, that inner light inside of it to shine outwards and influence anyone outside of itself. So to summarize what we've said today, God gave us the world to enjoy it in a way that benefits both the body and the soul. And the Torah assists us in harmonizing these competing forces. The way we harmonize them is by using the physical world and enjoying it for spiritual advancement. And on a deeper level, it's actually by tapping into the spiritual root of every physical item. And God in His infinite wisdom made some item's spiritual source inaccessible to us. And those are therefore called tame, as they're covered up. While other items are tahor, meaning we can access their spiritual makeup. And those are the kosher foods that provide nutrition not only to our bodies, but to our souls as well. I'll end off with one other amazing connected idea from the Arizal, who's one of the greatest Kabbalists ever. And he takes this concept that we've been discussing and he applies it to blessings. He writes that really every physical item, even the kosher ones, are initially tied down to our world. But when we make a blessing over kosher food, the blessing itself unties it from the physical world and allows it to ascend. Whereas by a non-kosher item, we have no way of untying it. So another amazing takeaway from this concept that when we eat food, we're not just consuming the physical nutrients and properties of the food, but rather we're also consuming its spiritual nutrients and properties 
it's not only regarding its amazing significance for kosher, but it also teaches us a great lesson regarding the power of making blessings before we eat as well. I hope you enjoyed this discussion about kosher. Until next time, wishing everybody an amazing week. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Jew podcast and for taking the time to study Torah and deepen your connection to Judaism. If you found value in today's episode, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or topic requests for Rabbi Moshe, please email the Thinking Jew podcast at gmail.com or visit thethinkingjew.com.